Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And as you know, we are spending the entire month of May focusing on career planning. And, you know, this is so much fun. I love it. I haven't actually looked for a job in many, many years, but I do career. uh, I work with people in their career transition, all these various things. And I am so excited to be doing this series because it's, it, we just have such great guests and, you know, when we're providing such fabulous information to people, whether you're new to the job market, whether you've been in the job market for quite a while, maybe you're transitioning, maybe you're changing careers, all these various things. And so, you know, we, it's, it really is just fabulous. And I love this series. So please join me today in welcoming the fabulous Mac Pritchard to our program. Welcome, Mac. Well, thank you, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. And Mac is almost as far away from me in the United States as we could get. He is in Portland. I, you know, gotta love technology that that we can do this. So yeah, it, I, 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 if only I were in Seattle, I'd be a little farther north, I but know, it's quite a distance. Know. Yep. So, um, and and you know, it's it's absolutely wonderful that that we are able to use technology now to share this information because. People are, you know, the way I put it, you're always in the job market. You know, even if you're completely retired, even if you're 12 years old, you're in the job market and you're thinking about career planning because you never know. I mean, you know, obviously youngsters should be thinking about what they want to be when they grow up. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And, you know, many times people who retired have retired and gone back into the job market, whether it's as a mentor or actually in a job, you know, all these various things. And so I think it is something that we should always be thinking about, even for the people who think, I have the most absolute perfect job in the world, I would never leave it. You never know, you know, and and so you should always be prepared and always know that you can hit the ground running if you have to start looking for a job tomorrow. So before we really jump into this, let me tell people just a little bit about you, Mac. So Mac Pritchard is the founder and publisher of Mac's List, an online community for people looking for rewarding, creative, and meaningful work. More than 80,000 people a month visit the site, which is maxlist.org, which includes a job board, a blog, and courses about the nuts and bolts of job hunting and career management. A leading career expert, Mac helps people who are looking for a job during all of life's transitions, millennials getting a first job, midlife professionals switching sectors, parents looking to getting back to work after raising a family, or baby boomers who want to change careers. He is also the author of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere and hosts the weekly podcast, Find Your Dream Job. Mac also owns and operates Pritchard Communications, a public relations agency that serves nonprofits, nonprofits, public agencies, and foundations across the United States. So again, Mac, welcome. Well, thank you. I, I'm really looking forward to our conversation, and I'm so glad you're focusing on this topic in the month of May because, as you say, some people may have their dream job and they may be very happy with what they're doing, mm-hmm. but there's so much in life 
dev that we don't control, and, and you may not be planning on leaving your position, but unexpected events can happen. Layoffs, companies can lose contracts, mm-hmm. and you may find yourself out on the job market even though you weren't planning for it. And, mm-hmm. and as you say, you need to be prepared. Right. You know, one of the things that I tell people is always, always keep your LinkedIn profile updated and current and be using it um, because you never know when you might be forced out into the, the job market again. Or more importantly, I mean, you've probably talked to people like this. I definitely have. A, a corporate recruiter, a headhunter, you know, as we call them, has contacted them and said, you're probably really happy with where you are, but can we tempt you away? And, you know, and that has, you know, that happens more often than not, where somebody really does think they've got the dream job, but there, you know, there's some way that they can be tempted to go elsewhere. And so, you know, that's why you always want to keep your LinkedIn profile, things like that current. You do. And it is nice to have someone come to you and and present a choice. Mm -hmm. You may say no to that opportunity, but it's always nice to be asked if you want it to happen. And it. It does. It does happen. It's mm-hmm. it's not a common event, but to make it happen, you need to have a great online presence, and right. a LinkedIn account is central to that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, and and we do have several programs this month that are focusing on LinkedIn. You know, but it it is something that obviously all of the programs this month will have to talk about because it is the the biggie. You know, you have to have a presence on LinkedIn. It has to be a good presence. All of those various things. Um, but, you know, it's it's also a way to look for jobs, you know, all these things. But you have something that just, oh, it piqued my interest so much when you talked about it. Because LinkedIn, newspapers, websites, all these various things, they list their jobs. But what you say is that 80% of all the available jobs are hidden. They're not posted in these public things. So first, tell us about that. Why Why does that happen? It is because when managers are looking to bring someone on board, they want to manage risk. Mm-hmm. As you know, Deb, it is time-consuming and expensive to to hire someone. Mm-hmm. And so what uh, employers do when they're ready to fill a position is first they turn to people they trust, and then they turn to people who recommend other candidates uh, that maybe they've not worked with directly mm-hmm. but are – are recommended by trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. And so our challenge when we're looking for work is to make ourselves part of these conversations that are happening in in what is called the hidden job market. These Mm -hmm. are the positions that are filled by word of mouth that are uh, never posted anywhere on any job board or even in old-fashioned newspapers. It has existed for a long, long time. And here's the good news. You can learn how to navigate the hidden job market and find and get these jobs. It's a skill, and like job hunting in general, if you get good at it, you're going to have not only a great job the next time you're out looking, but you'll also have a great career because Mm -hmm. if you're good at uh, uh, understanding the hidden job market and and helping others, that's going to help you even if you don't change jobs very often. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it is true, you know, what, what you're saying, obviously, there are, you know, plenty of jobs, obviously, that are posted. And some of those are because the, the corporation requires it, you know, all these various things. But 
Think of how many times in in our careers it has been something along the lines of you you either make this conversation or you overhear these conversations of the you know it would be really nice if we were able to have X person or X job filled or you know that there's going to be a vacancy you know and and so you know say you run a marketing department for a big company and you know that one of your employees is leaving. What you really, really want to do is have that position filled as fast as possible. And so, you know, you may be able to fill it internally. You may be able to fill it, like you said, word of mouth through your contacts, all those various things. But it might never, ever get posted because it it was filled before it reached that point. It it is. And think about it. I know many of your listeners have done more than their share of hiring. Often we turn to those referrals because we just don't want to deal with sorting through 25, 50, 75, 100 resumes. Mm -hmm. And we also often aren't confident in the candidates that come out of a public process. And if we're given a choice between somebody we've worked with in the past or who was recommended to us by someone that we've worked with and someone who goes through that public process – Candidly, the person who comes with a recommendation is probably going to have a slight edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you don't have to have worked with the interview committees itself in the past to mm-hmm. be successful in getting these hidden jobs. There, You can find out about them through informational interviews, uh, volunteering, networking, and we can talk more about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can also begin to build your own relationships with hiring managers through those activities. Mm-hmm. And so it's even the weakest of ties can give you a huge advantage over someone who's coming in through that front door, Deb, uh, who's responded to that public posting. Mm-hmm. Well, and so many people, you know, as you mentioned, respond to the, the public postings. You know, it, it used to be that when you had a position open and you listed it, you got a handful you know, and, and they were really well qualified. Well, now it's, you know, job seekers seem to do more of the shotgun approach. You know, that I'm just going to apply for anything that I might vaguely be, be qualified for. And so, you know, you might have had a position that 10 years ago, 20 people would have applied for. And now you've got 300, 500, you know, who knows how many. And as you said, just going through that process of of figuring out, OK, you know, what what's going on? Who do we even need to bring in? Is is just a long and complicated process, and you know, and, and it's error ridden, you know, and 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 again, you're not getting the best candidates. You know, I've talked with a lot of recruiters, and I've looked at the stats, and you know, one of the first things I mean, we've been talking about LinkedIn. One of the absolute first things that somebody does is is if for, even for entry level positions, they look at someone's online social media presence. You know, what are they posting on Facebook? Are they going to be a good culture fit? All these various things. And so they're eliminating people who really might have been a good candidate before they ever even got a chance. Or, you know, heaven forbid that you're the person that submitted something with a typo. When I was was hiring one typo, that was it. Their resume went in the trash can, Um, you know, because I thought if they couldn't pay enough attention to that detail, they weren't going to pay attention to other details. So anymore, when we have these vast quantities of people that are, are applying for jobs, we're not looking for good candidates to include. We're looking for everybody to exclude. And then we go from there. And so I love the concept of this hidden job market because that skips that whole process. We're starting with good candidates. You are. And when you're the candidate, 
the good news is if you learn how to do this well, you can't go through that back door and get in front of hiring managers and people who are going to be on interview committees mm-hmm. and make the best case possible for your candidacy. You can also learn about the employer's problems and their needs. And as you know, Deb, companies hire people to s- solve problems. Mm-hmm. And the candidates who in interviews and know what kind of problems the managers have and can talk about how they can solve them stand out and right. offer what's a crowded pack. Mm-hmm. So the more insight you have and you can uh, into those problems, then you can get that by building relationships with people inside a company, but even before they advertise, the more success you're going to have in the interview process. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, let's, let's, you know, uh, now I do see that you offer a course in this. So we're not going to give away all of the secrets and all of the secret sauce, but you know, it, it is something it, it, because hello folks, we're talking quantity. If 80% of the jobs are hidden, those are the jobs you should be looking for. Um, so you know, let's let's kind of start this process. What tactics does someone need to have to even start? And we call it hacking. You know, breaking into this hidden job market. Well, there are two strategic choices you have to make up front, Deb. One is you have to be clear about your goal. Where do you want to go? Okay. So you, if you're telling people that you're keeping all your options open, you need to do some work mm-hmm. and. And I understand it can be tough to make choices, particularly if you're considering a mid-career change or, or moving into a new sector. But invest the time in doing the self-assessment and the goal setting so that when people ask you what you want to do, you can respond in one or two sentences about what you want your next job to be. Mm-hmm. The second strategic choice you have to make is you kind of know where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And I find when I talk to people – they usually have a list inside their head of companies or nonprofit organizations or public agencies or maybe a mix of the three where they want to work. And that's terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to say that out loud, write it down and tell people. And most importantly, they need to begin building relationships with people inside those organizations now. Because, I, I again, I meet so many job seekers who I, I ask them where they want to work and they'll name uh, one or two companies and I'll say, well, who do you know there? Who who have you talked with? And they'll say, well, no one, but I look at the website every day. Right. We've talked they about... They look like a cool place. Yeah, yeah. And the, But if you're going to be successful, when you if you do uh, up, uh, respond to a public posting from that company, you've got to know about the culture and most important, and, and their needs. And, and you also should know if it's really a good fit for you, because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, your career and your goals matter. It's it's you don't have to come from a place of desperation when you're looking for work. Right. So let's talk more about the, the key to this. And that's relationships, because, you know, great example. You just said, you know, somebody wants to work at, you know, I'm OK, I'm here in Atlanta. So maybe somebody wants to work at Coca-Cola or the Home Depot. I mean, those are those are big companies. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, who do you know there? And they go, you know, how do we go about finding and then building worthwhile, not, you know, not not just, you know, superficial relationships with people at the organizations that interest us? First, you have to find the people. So there are three ways you can do that, Deb. One is go on your LinkedIn account mm-hmm. and search for people. If you're in Atlanta for Coca-Cola or 
here I'm I'm in Portland, Oregon. People often get excited about the opportunity to work at Nike. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, if you don't have first degree connections at at the company, see if you have second degree connections. Okay, and then contact those people and say, hey, I see you know Mary over at Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to connect with her to talk about the company and uh, and uh, people who work there and, and what opportunities might be coming up. Not to ask for a job, but just to get a sense of the culture and, and the needs of, of the firm. Mm-hmm. And so then you can uh, reach out to Mary and have what's called an information interview. So LinkedIn is a great place to find those contacts. A university alumni database is another one. Mm-hmm. I went to two great universities. Deb, one is the University of Iowa. I studied political science, and I mm-hmm. had such a terrific education there. I also went to the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, mm-hmm. and I got a master's in public administration. Mm-hmm. I bring this up because at Harvard, they teach you to tap your alumni de- network and Iowa's got so many distinguished graduates, but they never taught us how to do that. Mm-hmm. So it, if you went to a college or a university, look in your database, and chances are uh, there's somebody, if you're in Atlanta, who works at Coca-Cola mm-hmm. who you can reach out to. And I, my experience has been uh, grads love to talk to other alums, right. and they will make the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's how you find people. Uh, through LinkedIn and, and databases. The other two places where you can find contacts like this are by going to uh, industry events. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the professional associations are for people who are working in marketing at Coca-Cola and Atlanta, but I know uh, with a little bit of homework, you can find that out. Mm-hmm. And those associations typically have monthly meetings, annual conferences, happy hours, if you start going to those groups, you will meet people who work at Coca-Cola. Uh, and the other, the third thing you can do is, aside from looking at your LinkedIn and alumni databases or joining uh, an association in the industry, is volunteer. Right. Uh, and, and you can sign up to, you know, put together the the June lunch program for the association of people who work in marketing in Coca-Cola. Uh, or you could, uh, you don't have to join the board. It could be just a short one-time project. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, you're going to meet the people in the field that you want to work with and you hope will employ you. And you're also going to show what you can do. Mm-hmm. And you're going to begin to build relationships. You don't, again, have to be these people's best friends to get in, to get an interview for a position. But if they've had some connection with you and it's been a positive one, either through volunteering or seeing you at association events or through informational interviews, they're going to think of you when that application comes in or that job may never be posted, but Mm -hmm. they'll think of you and reach out to you. Right. You know, one of the things that I always tell people is if you're in a city or you're wanting to move to a city that has a business publication, so Atlanta Business Journal, Denver Business Journal, you know, Portland probably has the the similar type of publication. It does. They do lists, you know, top 40 under 40. Um, they also do industry lists, you know, top top 10 small businesses to work for or, you know, something like that. I love those lists because I am those a huge, lists, huge fan of those lists. Oh, you know, and, and I go and I find them on LinkedIn 
I, yeah. And you know, and, and and I send them a request to connect. And as I always say, always, 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 always tell people why you want to connect with them. And so, you know, in my request to connect, I will say, Hi, Mac. I just saw that you were one of the best small businesses to work for in Portland. Congratulations. So you're thinking, woohoo, yeah, oh, hey, you know. But it also shows that I did my research. And then I'm going to say, you know, I am looking at moving into the Portland area and I'm just expanding my network and would like to connect with you on LinkedIn. Or, you know, obviously you're going to personalize these messages, but the least they're going to do is ignore you. I mean, you know, but when you give them a reason to connect, they're probably going to connect with you. And and notice, you know, folks, when we send these out, we're not asking for anything right away. You know, it's not, hey, Mac, I see that you work at Nike and I want a job there. <laughs> because you're going to go. Nyeh. Um, so you'll look for lists like that. And, and your regular newspapers, all, you know, they always do, you know, they highlight companies, all those various things. And so that's a great way to make connections with people. It is. And what I love about the book of lists, and I think the business journals operate perhaps in two dozen cities, is you can find these lists for so many different kinds of companies, mm-hmm. nonprofits, and, and even government agencies. And right. they tell you who the leaders are. Mm-hmm who they serve, and they give you some basic facts that will help you figure out if these might indeed be places where you want to work. Mm -hmm. They give you a roadmap of a sector that interests you, and that is just invaluable. And I'm I'm so glad you brought up uh, the the best company to work for lists or the most family-friendly employers. And these are all things that are easily found even in, in cities that don't have business journals. And they're, they give you such great insights into the employers you might want to work for and help you narrow your search because mm-hmm. ultimately you can't apply everywhere. Right. You can't be open to all options. You've got to have one or two goals that you're exploring. And the universe of companies or nonprofits or agencies that are going to uh, help you accomplish your, your professional goal and get the job you want mm-hmm. is probably not that big. They're probably only 50, 100, 200 places. Right. It's manageable, mm-hmm. you, but your 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 challenge is you got to know uh, that world, and once you have a good understanding of it, you're going to be so much more successful in your search. Right. Well, and you know, let's let's use Nike as an example. I'm here on LinkedIn. I just typed Nike in, um, and you know, it came back with with all of these results. But the people is obviously what we're interested in because, you know, it, it is listing job results, which holy schmoly, there's almost 2,000. Um, so Nike clearly uses LinkedIn as a, as a big recruiting tool. So, you know, folks, that's, that's a tip, you know, look for, for things like that. But on the people side, now granted, I have over 3,000 connections on LinkedIn. So that does really expand. But what pops up immediately, I have a second degree connection who is the senior talent acquisition recruiter at Nike. I have a third degree uh, connection who is the territory recruiting leader. And then I go a little further down, executive recruiting at Nike, president direct to consumer at Nike, Nike VP creative director, you know, uh, president Nike brand. Uh, hello. <laughs> uh, global talent acquisition and executive recruiting. Now, I don't have any first degree connections at Nike, but I don't really have a lot of connections at, you know, in, in the Portland area. So that's probably why I don't have very many first degree connections. But 
you know, look at all of that right there. And, and there were, there's, you know, many, and these are people who currently work there. As I always tell people, you also want to look for people who used to work there because sometimes you want to know the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad you did that because often job seekers will tell me, I don't have a network. I don't know anyone Mm -hmm. at the place where I want to go. We all have networks. Mm-hmm. We're, we all have families, friends. We're, yeah, we live in neighborhoods. Uh, we're involved in perhaps our kids' schools, uh, maybe a faith community. Uh, there are professional associations we've probably joined over the years. If we're a graduate of a college or a university, mm-hmm. uh, those, those are institutions with huge alumni networks that almost never get tapped. Right. So, you, you've got to recognize the assets you have and make the most of them. And I think when people do that, and even if they have three or 500 contacts, not 3,000 on LinkedIn as you do, they're going to quickly discover that they know people who know people who know people at right. Nike, Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. or wherever it is they want to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, uh, and so once they make that roadmap, then their challenge, Deb, is to figure out how to approach those people and share with what them what they want to do, get insights on how they can get the job they want, and also get recommendations about other people they might meet uh, uh, and as part of their job search. And, that, and informational interviews are a great way to do that, and they are the best way to tap and unlock the hidden job market. Right. You know, it, it was funny before we started the program, you and I were talking about a mutual connection that we have in Denver, the wonderful Andrew Hudson, and and he runs a, a list similar to what you do. He has the Andrew Hudson job list in, in Denver, and he was one of my very first informational interviews when I was deciding to get into public relations. Um, obviously, he steered me in the right direction because I did decide to, to go into that, but, you know, I, I also made it very clear to him, I'm not asking you for a job. I'm not even asking you for connections. I just wanted to kind of pick your brain. And, and I treated him to coffee, and I made it very clear it was going to be 30 minutes. You know, this isn't, hey, I'm expecting you to spend hours. You know, and, and, and now, of course, you know, this was, you know, many years ago. Now, of course, we can do it via Skype, Zoom, you know, so we can make it even easier to do an informational interview with somebody. We can, and I I think people struggle with informational interviews because they don't understand the structure and and what success looks like. Some people, they start these conversations, and they're not quite sure how to run the meeting and what they should ask for and Mm -hmm. what they should get out of it. And we could break that down in a moment, uh, but as you say, it's not about asking for a job. A successful informational interview is – it's usually 20 to 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and you do three things. You, the first thing you do, Deb, is you introduce yourself, share your goals, and, and tell your story. And you can do that in three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. The second thing you do is you walk into the meeting with a set of questions, maybe three, five, perhaps seven, mm-hmm. uh, that are going to help you with your job search. And it may be that you ask the person um, – for insights into companies that are hiring, mm-hmm. uh, who got a new contract recently and might be adding staff. Uh, maybe there you have some objections you're carrying around in your head about things that might make you a less desirable candidate. You're too old. You're too young. You don't have experience in the sector you want to work in. Mm-hmm. You can ask that, turn those into positive questions and right. say, well, 
What advice would you give someone like me who is hoping to move from the nonprofit world to the corporate sector? Mm-hmm. You did that. That may be the reason why you want to meet with this person. Right. How did you overcome concerns of hiring managers? What was effective for you? Mm-hmm. The third thing you want to do besides getting insights into who might be hiring or how to be a, success, a more successful candidate is ask for recommendations of two or three other people you can contact in your search mm-hmm. at, because you want to grow your network. Right. And and if you do those three things, and you can do it in 20 to 30 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, that is a successful meeting. It's not about somebody saying, hey, come and work for me. It's about someone knowing your story, mm-hmm. giving you some tips about who might be hiring, how to be a more successful candidate, and recommendations about other people who can help your focused job search. Right. You know, and it's scary to approach people because clearly you don't know them. But when you have planned it out well, then, you know, initially you're just contacting a couple people because, as you said, you're asking them, now who else could I contact? And really the hope is that they will say, let me contact them on your behalf and do an introduction. You know, so hopefully things went well enough that, that that's happening. But, you know, one of the things you mentioned was do your research on that person you're meeting so that you can say, you know, maybe we're alums from the same school. Maybe we're in the same industry. You know, whatever it is, because we all know people like to talk about themselves. They do. <laughs> and so if you've researched them, they're going to go, oh, my gosh, you know, this is, is a great person. Yeah. I would also add that 99% of the people, 0.99, that I meet want to be helpful to others. Right. And what they struggle with is how to say yes. Mm-hmm. And so you want to walk into that meeting and an informational interview, whether it takes place in a coffee shop or in someone's office, it is a business meeting and you're mm-hmm. in charge. Right. You want to walk into that meeting um, with specific requests that you know this person can be helpful to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you are clear about what you want, people will respond very positively. It's when sometimes people they don't know how to structure these meetings. They don't. Um, they, they struggle with a the conversation. They're not sure what to ask for. And both parties, uh, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I once, I've done a lot of government relations work over the years, uh, in my career. And I once, uh, knew a, a fellow on Capitol Hill who said his definition of a failed meeting was when two parties met, mm-hmm. say an advocate and a member of Congress. There was a conversation, but at the end of the meeting, if, both parties got up and there was no to-do list, then it was a waste of time. Right. And an informational interview is the same way. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, one of the things that, that someone told me when I was doing informational interviews is, you know, set the time, you know, so like you said, 20 to 30 minutes and and stick to that. I mean, really, really stick to that. If they want to extend it, then by all means, exp- extend that time. But, you know, you want to say, I'm very conscious of your time. Thank you so much. And then if they say, well, wait a minute, you know, let's let's talk a little bit more. Then, you know, oh, yeah, you really want to do that. But respect them, respect their time, you know, and 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 treat it as it, you know, almost like it is a job interview. I mean, you know, you, you yeah. clearly want to be prepared. You want to be early. Hello, do not be late for an informational interview. I don't care if you have to go a half an hour early to make sure you're on time. You know, really, really show that you respect them because, as we said, you're wanting them to be, you know, you want to build a relationship with them. You want to develop this into something where they can refer you to jobs, to other people, all those various things. 
Absolutely. And I think also by setting limits on the, the meeting, not only does that show respect for the person you're meeting with, but it also forces us when we're in charge of the meeting to, to be very clear about what we want and how to make the most of that time. Uh, and it, you'll have a much more effective experience if you do that. Right. You know, one of the things we mentioned was it's, it's hard sometimes to ask for that informational interview. And so I'm, I'm back on LinkedIn again. And I mentioned that, you know, one of the people at Nike that popped up was the senior talent acquisition recruiter. And mm-hmm. so it says 19 shared connections. So I click on that because, you know, hello, shared connections are good. Mac, you're not going to believe this. My cousin is one of my shared connections with oh the Oh, my senior. gosh. I know. I was like, who, who knew? Um, but that's where, you know, that, and that's kind of an extreme. You know, more than likely, that's really not going to happen most of the time. But you mentioned, you know, we never know who our connections are going to lead to, whether it's someone you volunteer with that you, uh, you know, you go to church with. Family members. I mean, all these various things. So when you're building that network, tap into all of that. You know, look for all of those. And, and, you know, just as you should always be thinking about, you know, maybe I'm going to be in the job market tomorrow. I don't care what you're doing. You should always, always, always be building your network. You should. And you should also be serving your network. Mm -hmm. So make time to see people who ask for informational interviews, volunteer uh, in your field. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's not just about taking, it's, it's about giving. And in fact, Deb, my experience personally, and I, I see this with, uh, in the people who are most successful in the, in my world, they, who give without any expectation of getting any, anything in return, just mm-hmm. get so much more back. Right. Uh, and so it's a, it's a two way street. And mm-hmm. I would also add, at the end of an informational interview, I, I talked about those three steps that you, you should follow. You get huge, huge bonus points if you say at the close of the conversation, hey, what can I do for you? Right. And, Be- and two, yeah, even if you yeah. can't, ask them anyway. Yeah. And, and two things happen. Uh, one, often people are surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a pleasant surprise. And the second is it just reaffirms even when you're out of work and you're between positions, you've got so much to offer. Mm-hmm. Whether you're just out of college, you're a mid-career professional, or you're at a senior position in your career, uh, we all have gifts and resources that we can share with others, mm-hmm. no matter what our circumstances. And when we offer those up, again, I think uh, you get so much more in return. Right. You know, and one of the things you mentioned was volunteering. You know, that is, I, I tell, especially people who are either like recent college graduates or getting ready to graduate or somebody getting back into the job market, volunteering is an absolute must do. Um, you know, for one thing, yes, it makes you feel good. You know, that's, there is, there is definitely that. But you can get new job skills or refresh your job skills. Um, and then exactly what you were saying, we're making connections with people. So look at those boards. I mean, you know, I have volunteered for places because they're good organizations, but I also looked at the boards and thought, Hmm, those are people I'd like to meet. Um, you know, and, 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 and that's why we do these things. So folks when you know, it's, it's, it's not being selfish, you know, it's, eh. but you know, look at those, you know, if there is obviously a way to give back to your community, to your area that's that's fabulous but volunteering is an absolutely wonderful way to network and make connections and build your job skills and it's good for us uh, 
personally as well. I think mm-hmm. when we're volunteering, we're doing work that excites us and interests us, and we're at our best. Right. And there's an energy that we exude when we're in that state of mind mm-hmm. that is not only uh, refreshing for us to experience, but I think allows us to show put our best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And again, if we're volunteering in our field, then we're uh, we're meeting those people and showing our best work with folks who are going to be uh, uh, important for us professionally. And you never know, it could turn into a job, you know, and, and, and then that's back to that hidden job market. You know, maybe you volunteered on, say, a, a fundraising committee for an event and you did their public relations. What happens, you know, if they actually have an opening at their company for a public relations person? Well, they already know you. They know the quality of your work. And so they're, you know, hopefully you're going to go to the top of that list and maybe they don't even talk to anybody else. Who knows? Yeah, my my experience, Deb, has been that most people, whether they're looking for a contractor, an employee, a vendor, I so often hear the phrase, gosh, I just don't know anybody. Can you recommend someone? Mm -hmm. And I I think your listeners have had this experience. We've all gotten that email from a colleague, or we probably sent it, that says, hey, I'm looking for a freelance graphic designer, Mm -hmm. or I need to find a printer, or maybe it's a personal request like a plumber. Uh, and if somebody recommends uh, someone, they're, they're going to be at the top of our list. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is part of what's called the hidden job market. And informational interviews, volunteering, and networking are great ways to find out about these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, And you just said two other words in there that I want to jump on, um, and that's freelancing and consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are great ways, obviously, to be making money, you know, and, and, but it's, it's great ways to get that foot in the door sometimes with those organizations. And, you know, maybe that's what you, you, you just want to be a freelancer or a consultant, you know, that, that could be the career choice that you have made. But maybe it is a way for you to, to get in that door. So maybe you focus on an industry. You know, I do a lot of work with senior living, um, you know, and, and helping them with social media. So maybe, you know, at some point I could be hired by a company to do all of their social media, you know, all these various things. So freelancing and consulting is yet another way to, to tap into that hidden job market. It is. And people who work in the service industry, uh, know that a small project can become a medium-sized project and then eventually a big ongoing contract. You have to have experiences with people. Uh, and, and as you do so uh, with your customers, they'll have more and more confidence in you and you build those relationships mm-hmm. and that leads to bigger and longer projects. It's the same with job hunting and careers. Mm-hmm. And the more you can have those experiences with the companies and the managers that you hope will either hire you or um, give you contracts, the more successful you'll be. Right. You know, I want to talk again a little bit more about LinkedIn because to me it is the best way to make connections. And it was invaluable to me when we were moving. You know, we knew that, that we were being relocated by my husband's company from Denver to Atlanta. Now, the nice thing is we had months of notice. I mean, we literally had 18 months of notice and, and could have gone at any point during then. But, um, you know, and, and so I, you know, get out my handy dandy LinkedIn because, of course, you know, I, I'd better be using LinkedIn, right? <laughs> and, I, and I would send out maybe 10 a day. 
you know, so, so, you know, not really, you know, tons of work, you know, a hundred a week, you know, whatever it was. I don't remember at this point how many I did, but I searched for people within a certain zip code. Um, and, and I just randomly picked a zip code because at that point we didn't know where we were moving to or all those things. And, and LinkedIn gives you the option to sort by zip code and then distance from that zip code. So I picked five miles, I think. And then the first 10 people that came up, I sent a request to connect. And I said, hi, I'm Deb Creer, you know, currently living in Denver, but we will be relocating to Atlanta in 2012. And at this point, I'm just building my network and hope I can add you as a connection. 100% of the people accepted my request. 100%. You know, I gave them a reason and I didn't ask them for anything. You know, and then when I got here, that was time to do my informational interviews. So then I contacted him again and I said, hi, you know, and but in between, I had worked those relationships, you know, just a little bit, not much here and there, you know, all these various things. And what was important was it didn't matter to me what industry they were in or what their job title, nothing. I just cared about the area they were in. Now, for somebody else, you might be industry specific, you know, all these various things. So clearly you, you build your network with, with a design in mind, but I was, I was looking for people. That was my thing. So then once I got here, I then, you know, and, and I, you know, would start going through the list and only do, you know, several a week. Hi, you know, thank you. You know, we, and, and I reminded them about, you know, why we had connected initially. And then I said, I'm here now. And I would love to treat you to coffee to learn a little bit more about the, the, whatever it was, the business, the industry, you know, I, I, it was obviously specifically tailored for that person here in Marietta, Smyrna, Atlanta, you know, wherever it was. About half accepted, you know, and, and because, you know, I'm sure, and, and, and now then I was more specific, you know, if it was somebody that I really wasn't sure could help me, then I, you know, I wasn't, but, but if it looked like somebody that was really going to be a, a good connection, then I, I offered that. Out of all the ones I did, only one actually made me buy the coffee, which I thought was very interesting. Um, you know, they were just mortified that I was going to, to pay, but, um, but yeah, everybody else, you know, they, even though I had told them I am treating, but same thing, I did exactly what you said with those informational interviews. I went in with specific questions. I kept it to 30 minutes. In fact, I would set the timer on my phone so that I, and, and they knew it. I would say, you know, I'm, I'm putting my phone here simply because I'm using the timer because I want to, to be very respectful of your time. And I mean, some of those are people that I still see every single week. Now I drank a lot of coffee. You know, it was, it was really one of those things where, you know, I had sometimes four or five meetings a day. But it was worth it to me to spend that time getting to know the people in the new area that I was living in. There are so many things I love about your story. Uh, let me just pick out a couple because uh, I could talk about it for a long time. I'm such a but, good example. <laughs> well, you are. And here's I mean, the most important thing you did was you built a network in a new community and you it took you time to do that. But it's a network that you continue to connect with today and you continue to serve. And I predict you'll keep running across those people as long as you're in Georgia. Uh, I I had the same experience when I moved from Boston to Portland 25 years ago. I spent about six months networking, and this was pre-internet, Deb, so some of these contacts Al Gore were, hadn't invented it yet? No. 
But over the course of about six months, I connected with 100 people, and they were all in the field I have spent most of my career in, communications, politics, and government. Mm -hmm. And I, in the 25-plus years that have followed Deb, I continue to run across those people. Some of them, a couple worked for me at different points. Uh, I worked for a couple, and but for someone who was coming from a new place, it was it was just invaluable to have that network, and that's mm-hmm. what you've done. A couple quick things I want to call you out for. They might seem small, but when you made that initial contact by LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you gave a brief explanation of who you were mm-hmm. and why you were contacting them. I get probably uh, a couple of LinkedIn requests a day because of our work at MaxList. I hear from a lot of job mm-hmm. seekers, and okay. I'm grateful that they contact me. But I'm I'm surprised how few, uh, how how many rather use the automatic um, invitation. Oh, yeah. I something like ninety percent. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem with that: it's a lost opportunity. Mm-hmm. I I don't know who they are or why they're contacting right. me. I can click through and see their profile, and that helps. But make you made the most of that opportunity, and I think that. Later, when you wanted to connect with those people for coffee, they knew who you were and why you were reaching out to them. You didn't have to explain it again. You could take that next step. So kudos to you. Well, and, you know, it it, it was a cut and paste. I'll be honest. You know, oh, sure. I, and, and, you know, and, and that's the key to this. I mean, you know, it's... It, you want to build your network fairly quickly. Now you don't want to get overwhelmed. You know, you, you don't want to connect with thirty thousand people, which is no, it's what, not what LinkedIn about will let you do. Collecting connections. Yeah. So you know, I looked at who I wanted, but then it was cut paste. Now I looked at each one, made sure that you know, hello, I had the right pronouns. Um, you know, I didn't want to say she when it was a he. You know, all these various things. But um, yeah, it was it was fast, and it took me maybe fifteen minutes uh, to do that every day. And, and then I, and I built my network really pretty fast. I mean, I had a hundred, no, I had 250 some new connections within about a month. Um, you know, and, and, and I really want to emphasize this for folks who are getting ready to graduate from college who are thinking, where am I going to go? You know, and, and we mentioned it at the start. You know, you might think I want to work for X company or I want to be in X city. Okay, then you're going to go to LinkedIn and you're going to make those connections with those people. And you're going to say, hey, I'm a senior at, you know, University of Colorado, you know, University of Iowa, wherever it is, getting ready to graduate with my degree in blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking of, you know, I'm one of one of my prospects is to move to Portland, is to move to Taos, is to move to wherever. And and I'm, you know, expanding my network. Poof, right there, you just gave them a good reason to connect with you. And as, as we said, at the very least, they ignore you. You know, so where's the harm? Yeah, I. and again, there's a strategy behind that. And you had that as well. And it, it's also in the example you gave. There's a you're focusing on one or two cities if you're that college student. And in your case, you knew where you were coming. You're not trying to connect with everyone everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and we get caught up in the numbers because, hey, it looks cool when we have 10,000 connections on LinkedIn. You can't successfully build relationships with that many people. 
You know, and, and so, you know, and, and I tell people your LinkedIn connections and Facebook, you know, all of those various things, that's your personal decision. You know, you might only say on LinkedIn, want to connect with people in your industry or in your town, your state, you know, whatever it is, but make that conscious decision and know why you've done it. But at the same point, remember, it's as we've been saying, you never know who might be connected to somebody else. You know, you might discover that your cousin is connected to that person. So, you know, don't don't limit yourself 100 percent. You'll always be open to thinking about how you're going to expand things. Agreed. And I think when people think about networking, they probably think about that Holiday Inn out at the airport. Deb, where there's a function room and there's some kind of event and mm-hmm. you walk in and there's somebody there often because they just don't know any better who thinks a successful networking experience is to collect as many business cards as possible and mm-hmm. hand out as many cards. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, and the the problem with that is it's all about relationships, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. So a more successful experience, much more successful is if you walk into that room uh, wanting to have maybe two or three conversations uh, and authentic, real conversations, it's going to help you make connections and build relationships that are going to serve you well. It's not about walking in and, and trying to grow your, your Rolodex uh, or your database, rather, uh, by, by huge numbers. Mm-hmm. It's about relationships and the quality of those relationships. Right. And it's also about listening and being of service to others. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and we've talked a lot about LinkedIn, but it is about building relationships. And so you can get those on the other social media sites, you know, especially on Facebook, on um, Instagram, you know, places like that, because there we're seeing more about the person um, as opposed to, you know, the, the, the business persona of them. You know, so you do have to be careful. You know, you, you might eliminate yourself from being helped, but you know, that, that is a great place to make connections. And, and I see it probably every week where one of my Facebook friends will say, looking for a connection with or in or, you know, all those various things. And because I know I'm on Facebook, I'm either going to give them that connection or think, oh, no, not going to go there. Um, but, you know, we we do, you know, it's it's wherever we can make those relationships in order to, you know, we, you use the phrase earlier, get our foot in the door. You know, sometimes that's all it takes is just that little nudge that can get us in there. That person that says, hey, you know what, I'm going to take Max resume to the hiring manager, you know, or, you know, I'm going to make that virtual introduction, all those various things. It's about, you know, what can we do to find those hidden jobs? You do have an opportunity on LinkedIn to share professional information. It is Mm -hmm. a publishing platform in addition to being a way of connecting with others. And I, 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 the people who I see are, are successful in a job search or most successful are the ones who recognize that they're not publishing on LinkedIn every day, but maybe once a week they share an article uh, that they saw in the, in the news about their field. Some people will take, will actually publish uh, posts. They'll write original articles mm-hmm. of four to 600 words. And when you do that over time in a regular, consistent way, you do create an online persona that uh, does register with your LinkedIn connections. And you can do the same on Facebook and other social platforms, too. Right. You know, and you can put personal information on LinkedIn. You know, you can put it in your summary. Obviously, you want to include um, uh, uh, volunteer work, you know, things like that, that that are on there. 
And again, that's so that people get to know all of you. You know, I remember one time when I had a, an interview with somebody and I don't even remember what I was talking to them about. I think, I think maybe it was an informational interview. And this was back when I was in Colorado and, and he happened to go to the University of Oklahoma and was an alumni. And then, of course, I'm an alumni of, of CU. And, you know, the first words out of his mouth are, you know, I really shouldn't talk to you because you go to CU. And this was back when we were all in the Big 12. <laughs> and and so I kind of laughed and, you know, we kind yeah, of chortled I... over that. And then we spent 10 minutes bashing Oklahoma State. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's ways you're looking for ways to make those connections with people. Um, you know, one of the examples I used, somebody in their profile one time said that they were a huge Colorado Rockies fan. And so I said, you know, well, when you make when you go to meet with them, take a mug, you know, just a little mug. Uh, a, a Rockies mug with, say, chocolates in it. Say, hey, you know, I saw on your LinkedIn profile, because you don't want them to think you're stalking them, that you're a Colorado Rockies fan. Here's this. You know, maybe when you close a deal with them or make that great condition, well, you know, maybe it's something bigger. But, you know, it, it's it, you look for ways to start building those relationships. And and really, you know, the, what you said about alumni, that's that is probably one of the absolute best ways to, to build those relationships. Oh, I always make time for Iowa grads, mm-hmm. and, and I, I can't see everyone, but if I hear from a Hawkeye, they go to the front of the line. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and so, folks, if you're, you know, and it doesn't matter if you graduated 10, 20 years ago, 10 months ago, you know, if you're getting ready to graduate, you know, this month, it's it's okay to put that in there. You're not you're not exploiting things, you know. They, they wouldn't have put it in their profile if they didn't think it was important also. Yeah. And I... I I know we're coming to the close of the interview soon. I do want to make a point about time, Deb, and it's how we spend our time mm-hmm. when we're job hunting. The traditional approach that people follow often because they just don't know any better is they'll spend 100% of their time looking at job boards like the one I operate. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of the value our board operates or offers. And you should look at job boards. Mm-hmm. But Think about that ratio of hidden versus public jobs. Right. If up to 80% of all jobs are never posted and you're spending 100% of your time pursuing posted jobs, you're, you're, missing you're missing out mm-hmm. on so many great opportunities. Right. You know, and even if you're, you know, when you're looking at those posted jobs, you never know. They might, you know, you, you might get an inkling that, ooh, they're, they're getting ready to expand. So, you know, maybe they're they're posting for, you know, the the senior level person, but they're going to need support staff. So maybe I should develop my relationships for that. So, you know, that's it's it's all, you know, it's it's all interconnected. It is. And again, most people have a good sense of the companies they would like to look at or mm-hmm. work for and they should pay attention to the public job boards for those employers, mm-hmm. but they also need to spend time on the relationships. And if they're doing a full-time job search, perhaps looking 40 hours a week, or they're employed and are only spending maybe three, four, or five hours a week on, on the job search, think about that proportion of time. Mm-hmm. Most of it should be going into the networking, the informational interviews, and the volunteering not 100%, but probably 50, 60%, mm-hmm. and the remainder should go into looking at job boards. Right. It's interesting. I was talking with somebody the other day and uh, about you know the, the job search, and, and she said what she tells people is you should treat your job search like it's a job. 
You know, That's great you're, advice. You're not just doing it 15 minutes a day. Um, you know, if you truly are, you know, looking to be employed full time or, you know, whatever, then, then you need to dedicate that amount of time to it. You know, if you're only looking at, say, job boards once a week, and, well, no, that's not going to do it, you know, and, and so build those connections, you know, <coughs> excuse me, like we said, go to LinkedIn and, and be building, you know, I tell people add one new contact a day. That should be your goal on LinkedIn is add one new contact a day. I mean, that's 365 people in a year, um, you know, and, and so just, you know, and then it, really, if you're in the job market, add two a day, you know, something like that. But it, it is, a, you have to work at this to make it successful. You do. And. Typically, we spend about 2,000 hours a year at a job. We spend more time at the office than we do with our family and our partners. So how we spend our time, it, it reflects our priorities. And if you're only uh, setting aside 15 minutes a day for a job search, you're probably not going to see the results you want. And it doesn't mean you have to do it 24-7, but make sure that how you spend your time reflects uh, your goals and what you want to achieve. Right. Well, holy schmoly, Mac, we've just scratched the surface on this. And, and so I definitely think that we need to have you on again um, because it, it is so important for people to know how to build their network, you know, how to do things. Um, but in the meantime, tell us how they find you and connect with you online. They can visit maxlist.org. We do have a job board. That serves people in the Pacific Northwest, but there are articles, courses, and bolts of job hunting, Deb, mm -hmm. that attract people not only across the United States, but around the world. And uh, I, we, our podcast is published every Wednesday. It's called Find Your Dream Job. Mm -hmm. It's on Apple Podcasts and our website as well. And we do have a book called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere that lays out the strategies and tactics that you and I talked about today. Mm -hmm. Your listeners can get the first chapter for free by going to maxlist.org slash power hour. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Um, and, and so give us that URL again. That's maxlist.org slash power hour. Cool. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, we really want to encourage the folks that are listening. If you have not connected with both Mac and I on LinkedIn, <clears throat> you need to. <laughs> you know, Please really. do. And bonus points if you send us a personal note. Right, Deb? Right, right. You know, and excuse me, you'd better have a picture. I'm not connecting with you if you don't have a picture. Okay. That's just my pet peeve. And it better not be somebody in the military, you know, that's, that's not really in the military. Um, you know, I get those every day on Facebook. I'm thinking, wow. Um, but, but yeah, tell us in your, your request to connect with us on LinkedIn that you heard about us, um, you know, by, by listening to the, the program today and you know, build those relationships, folks. That's what this is all about to find all of those jobs that are out there that need to be filled but are hiding. Absolutely. So, Matt, any final words of wisdom for us? Don't wait to be picked, Deb. If you know where you want to go, start talking to people inside that company or that nonprofit organization today. Uh, you And you will have so much more satisfaction in, in your career if you do that. Take charge. Perfect. Perfect. And you know what, folks? Share your tips with us. Let us know, um, you know, all these things. And, and as we said, don't hesitate to ask somebody to say, you know, hey, I see that you're connected with so-and-so. Can you please introduce me? You know, the least, again, that's going to happen is they'll ignore you. But, you know, reach out, build those networks, 
And then always, 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 always say thank you. So thank you, Mac, for being on our program today. I have been having a fabulous time talking with Mac Pritchard. I'm Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.